Hey there, just popping in at the top to warn you that there may be inappropriate language for young ears on this episode, as well as some discussions of maternal mortality. And as always, there are spoilers ahead. Now enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to Tear Jerkers. The podcast in which we rate movies on a teardrop scale. Because sometimes you just need a good cry, and we're here to tell you where to find it. I'm actor, writer, and germaphobe extraordinaire, Maybell. And I'm Kimia, a normal person who cries a normal amount. Today we'll discuss delusions, small town acceptance, and the color pink. And sex dolls. That's right, we're talking Lars and the real girl today, with special guest Karina. And as usual, we'll be wrapping up with What Made You Cry This Week. Today our special guest is my roommate and good friend Karina. Karina, what's your relationship with crying? Um, first off, thank you for having me. Uh, I would say I am very good at crying. Would you call yourself an easy crier? Um, I mean, it, it, it comes pretty easily to me, I would say. <laughs> like, a, like a second talent, maybe. Or uh, mm-hmm. maybe I was born with it. Maybe it's uh, crying time. <laughs> Do you have any notable crying stories to share? Oh, God. Um, Every other day of my life. (laughs) Karina's a prolific crier. Okay. I I think I can relate to you on that. I do cry often daily. It's healthy. It's good for you. Yeah. So, Karina, since you're our guest, could you start off by sharing your relationship with our movie this evening? I love this movie, both on a just, like, an emotional relationship level and how it kind of helped me navigate the awkward stages of young adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, I first watched this movie when I was in community college and just trying to figure everything out and Lars's relationship dealing with certain things throughout the movie just hit home in certain ways and I was able to kind of navigate my own life um just watching certain parts of the movie i was very emotional watching it the first time as well so that's great kimia what's your relationship with this movie i've seen it before i think only once like years and years and years ago with my family i don't really remember that very well to be honest but it's a great movie and i was really excited to watch it again have you seen it before maybell I actually have never seen this movie before this week. Oh. I remember seeing the trailers for it back when it came out and just kind of feeling like, oh, this is probably just some, like, gross comedy that I'm not really interested in. Um, So when you suggested it, Kimia, I was really kind of surprised. And I went back and looked at some of the promotional material again before watching it. And I think something that I had missed as, like, a preteen at the time was the tone that they were trying but kind of unsuccessful at conveying in the advertisements back then so when I watched the movie this time I was really surprised to see how heartfelt and warm and Mm. like endearing this movie was it's very sincere it is very sincere I do love that um Kimia do you think that before we start the discussion you could give us the synopsis of the movie yes Shy, reclusive Lars orders an anatomically correct sex doll off the internet. He introduces her to his family and small town as his girlfriend, and their response is to put away their discomfort and welcome Bianca into their community. Oh, that's so nice. I'm so excited to talk about this movie, guys. Me too. It's great. I love it. 
But before we get started, let's talk about our first sponsor. Okay, today's episode of Tear Jerkers is brought to you by crying because of the weather. Crying because of the weather. Sometimes you look outside the window and the weather just tells you you got to start crying. Does sunshine ever make you guys cry? Like, do you ever do you ever get distressed because of sun? I'm genuinely curious. Like, does does sunshine or uh, stereotypical good weather in air quotes does that make you cry? Well, I do have to say that when I wake up in the morning and I draw back the blinds and it's super bright outside, it does make my eyes tear up a little bit, but that might just be from the shock of the light changing and not so much emotional as it is just my eyes reacting to the strong light sudden, suddenly coming in. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever cried because of the weather, but there's still time. There's still time. It was really hot recently and it didn't make me cry. But now that the weather's getting gloomy, like, maybe it will. Mm. There is kind of, like, some comfort that is brought on by the weather uh, mirroring how you feel. I agree. I suppose. It's a lot harder when the weather doesn't match your internal emotional temperature, I think. Mm. You know? Oh, like being sad in the summer? Yeah. Yeah. Oof, Oof, that's a hard hitter. (laughs) That's something that's something to put on the what makes me cry. <laughs> Summer blues. All right, guys, thanks for taking this break with me. Let's get back to the show. Okay, I have so much to talk about. So much. All of the movies that we've talked about so far, I had like one note. I think one of the ones I had four notes written down. And for Lars, I have an entire page plus additional notes that I made um, in the following days that I typed out. Wow. And, um, yeah, yeah, I have a lot to talk about. Do you guys have a lot to talk about? Always. I, yeah, when I always have this a lot movie, to talk about. I always write pages of notes on whatever movies we watch. Who's a good note-taker? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my notes are also largely irrelevant to the topic of this podcast. I will just write oh. in, like my feelings about what's being said completely like irrelevant as to whether or not I'm actually emotional. My first note on this movie is my grandson is gay. I know all about the gays because I loved it. I loved that. <laughs> yeah, moment. That's a great line. Yeah. I mean, like, even, even just relating to something like that and thinking of it as brilliant is a great kind of response. And it does add to the whole emotional literacy of the movie. Mm-hmm. Just like even those little ad libs, like my son is gay. Mm-hmm. I know all about the gays. Um, and just just like the little bits in, of getting to learn the community that is also getting to learn Lars through this journey mm-hmm. is very, very entertaining. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I am glad that you brought that up. Yeah, that's a great line. Oh, this movie is so dynamic. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really stick to the topic of like, that I cried at either. I have like mm. notes about the psychology of mm-hmm. Lars and his issues and his, you know, how he works them out and mm. things like that. But I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, where should, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, do we start with what made you cry or do we just go from the top or do we talk about. Let's just like, go from the top. <sighs> like, chronologically oh. through the movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first, like, I can't remember who said it, 
somebody said Bianca's in town for a reason, like in the beginning of the movie. Oh, yes, that Did, would be I Patricia think that Clarkson. was this, like, yeah. Patricia, okay. I love okay, her. Okay, the doctor. Dagmar. Dagmar. I love the name Dagmar. Um, If your name is Dagmar, I want to marry you. I'm taking applications. Shout out to all the Dagmars. Your name has to be Dagmar. Just. I, I took a note about just this movie has a lot of capital A acting in it. Oh yeah, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. that like you don't usually get to see in a lot of movies Mm. that like like. Ryan Gosling is a great actor, but he doesn't typically do movies that are this, like, this is, like, a theatrical piece. Like, I could have seen Mm -hmm. this as, like, a stage production, you know, like, several years ago if it wasn't, like, ready for film media. Like, there's a lot of acting in this that that I really enjoy watching. Mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree. Especially seeing Ryan in, like, a role that isn't as lead heartthrob Mm -hmm. or... Sexy man doing a thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's definitely it has its it has its quirks in seeing him in a role that is definitely less sexy, which is again another sense of irony because of just the sex doll in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. It is very refreshing. Recommended uh, to any Ryan Gosling fans. Yeah, I never really got into Ryan Gosling as like a hot guy. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't watch any of his movies. I think I've only seen, like, a f- couple of them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that he was, like, a solid actor. Like, I thought mm-hmm. he was just, like, on- only like played hot. lead heartthrob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he was just hot. And because I didn't really care about him. And then when I watched Lars and the Real Girl, I was like, oh, Ryan Gosling's an actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. He can do that. That's cool. One little bit. Like, when he was singing... The L O V E love song mm-hmm. in the woods. Yeah. Just like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> nice vibrato, Ryan. Yes. That was um, great. I also love the bit when they're in the doctor's office and they come out and Bianca has that kid on her lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Lars says she loves kids. She loves kids. kids. <laughs> she loves kids. That's like, um, kind of the first indication that everything's going to be okay. Mm. Yeah. Because... Yeah, that people are um, not going to be as repulsed as uh, yeah. Gus is mm-hmm. afraid of. Yeah, yeah. Gus and Karen come out and, and like, she's already there. She's already making mm-hmm. friends. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, I did also take a note because that first night, um, they're, they're serving... Karen is serving dinner to both Bianca and um, Lars, and <laughs> Lars just eats Bianca's food off of her yes. plate. And I was like, this would be so funny if it was all just deployed to get two servings of dinner at every party you go to. <laughs> like, even that is justification enough to me. Like, all of the other psychological stuff that happens in the movie, while fascinating, I'm just like, the, the comedic potential of just that moment... <laughs> Lars and the Real Girl is a movie about a very hungry man. <laughs> we should do a, you could do a parody. It would be so easy to do a, well, I guess you just have to shell out like several hundreds of dollars for a sex doll, but it would be so easy to do a parody where it's just Lars eating Bianca's food in different settings. Uh. SNL, get on it. You have the money. You have the Ryan Gosling connection. 
Okay, the other, like, continuing this line of how, like, what Bianca does for Lars and um, the subtle things that, like, say a lot, after Lars and Bianca go to church for the first time together and Mrs. Gruner gives Bianca that big bouquet of flowers, Mm -hmm. and then Lars says, they're not real, so they'll last forever. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Whoa. Like, (laughs) oh. For me, it was... Seeing him move Bianca into the bedroom that was previously his mother's. That's when oh, I was like, yeah. oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, cause, and then we learn later that his mother died in childbirth with him. Mm-hmm. And then he has, like, only a million abandonment issues. Yeah. So many. Yeah, I, I was really fascinated by the unfolding mystery that was the reason behind Lars's delusion and mm-hmm. I think it was at some point, slightly after Lars reveals that it is physically painful for him when people touch him, mm-hmm. that um, that Lars is anxious about Karen's pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the reason why he's developed this delusion is because he loves Karen and he doesn't want to see her die. Right. And, you know, that's really... Um, that was a really interesting reveal and very touching. Mm-hmm. That's a big one when he he says um, that Bianca's mother also died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And her parents died when she was little. Like, big mm-hmm. reveal. It's, it's so <laughs> obvious. Like, who are you talking about, Lars? Who, who, really could, talking who about? could this be? <laughs> um. <laughs> So I asked my mom, um, because she's a marriage and family therapist, and she says that's called representative play, Mm -hmm. when a child has a doll or Mm -hmm. something else. An imaginary friend is, I think, the same concept when they say, um, like, my imaginary friend or whatever. They wouldn't call it that. When a child says, she's sad because of this, or I, I should find a a graceful way to say that. Oh, wait, you just like slammed me in the memory button. I just remembered this moment from when Kimia, you and I were in youth group in middle school and we were doing like confirmation stuff. And our youth pastor asked us to like look at these photos and explain what was happening. And I fully projected all of my drama (laughs) right onto the picture I was given Wow, way to slam me right back into being 12 years old. Thank you. Thank you. Who doesn't need that? <laughs> oh, me. Oh, man. No, me Bill's going to cry so, right now. Yeah, we're, I just checked. We're, we're just now hit 19 minutes into recording. I'm not crying. I'm not crying. I'm not Maybe crying this time. And you simply, know I would admit if I was. Simply wiped their eyes. Yes, but it was more of like a, like, no, there's no moisture in around my skin right now. Uh, wow, no, that's not the phrase. There's no moisture around my eyes right now. So that's called representative play. When a child has a doll or an imaginary friend or a stuffed animal and they say, my friend is scared or my friend is sad or my friend is angry because of this. And they're projecting their own feelings onto a representation of themselves. And that's totally what Lars is doing. He's just 100% doing representative play therapy mm-hmm. on himself. And then Dagmar helps. But it's, I don't know, it's very cool to see that happen. 
Like, okay, but there he's not the only one though who has a doll, right? Ooh, yes. Both of his coworkers. Oh, Margo wow. has her bear. How I did know. I not even think about that? Right. Oh, I know. So there's mad. so many layers in this freaking movie. Margo has her bear and the guy, I can't remember the guy's name. I hated him, but yeah, him. Yeah, the he has his action figures. Mm-hmm. And Awful like they're co-worker. both very protective of their toys. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I... they both take their own toys very seriously and mm-hmm. kind of each other's because like if they weren't taking them seriously, then they wouldn't be worth using as pranks. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just so touched when Lars resuscitates the teddy bear oh for Margo. Oh, so sweet. Ah, that was so cute. Very cute. And it, it's, it's so cute. And um, also, sorry, what was her name again? Greener? Margo? Gruner. Gruner. Mrs. Gruner. Oh. Another thing that I loved was when Gruner calls out Lars for yelling at Bianca. Like, mm. what a queen. I don't she, like his tone. Yeah. Is she stands up for this not-a-woman person and is like, I think she's also smart in doing that because she's like, look, if he talks to his imaginary girlfriend this way and I let it slide, what if he talks to a real future girlfriend mm. this way? Like, I can't let that happen. The other thing I love about that is that the whole town has come together to, like, gently cradle Lars Mm -hmm. and to support him and hold him up through this thing. Yeah. And her response in that scene is to say like that Lars is sensitive and we need to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. also I'm not going to let him get away with shit just because he's soft. Like he he still needs to be a good person. We can't just coddle Lars 100%. He still needs to be decent. Exactly. And, and to, yeah, to be able to be called out and, be held accountable. Going off of that too, um, just with the whole idea of the the town coming together and not necessarily coddling him, but cradling Lars throughout his whole journey. Major spoiler warning ahead. Um, when Bianca passes, yes, my God, uh-huh. and at the funeral with um, the overseer of the funeral, it would be like the the pastor or reverend of the church. Yes, one of them. Whichever. But he said, um, and she loved Lars most of all. Big tearjerker moment. I know. But also, like, so representative of, like, Lars, this whole town loves you so much that we did this for you. And regardless of, of how this journey came to be and how difficult it may have been along the way. Like, we did this for you, and we love you, and we will always love you. Mm-hmm. And, um, tears. <laughs> I know. I, I actually have a note from, I have a few notes from around that point of the movie as well. Um, it, it was especially touching to me to see the community members bringing the flowers to mm-hmm. the house for Bianca mm-hmm. while she was dying. Mm-hmm. And something that I thought of when they showed like the full spread of plates that they brought over and the, the people from the church come in to sit with Lars, um, right. is that this kind of creates a surrogate of when Lars's mother died and mm-hmm. he could participate in a form of mourning in the community because he was too right. young to actually get to mourn his mother with mm. the community that knew her. 
So getting mm. to getting to experience that like community coming together for the loss of someone who is incredibly important to Lars, mm-hmm. I think yeah that that connection there made me start tearing up. That's such an eloquent way of putting that too. Nothing? Yeah, I didn't put that together. Wow. Mm. Oh, I'm touched. <laughs> Emotional memory. Um. <laughs> I think, but my first teardrop, my first actual teardrop in my notes is when Gus apologized for running away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me a lot of when I was starting to grow up and I felt like I was being abandoned by people who were running away from their shitty situations. Um, I... I know that, like, obviously it wasn't my fault and they didn't intend to abandon me, but, like, as a kid, you don't always understand that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that made me tear up. But also, I can relate to Gus for really wanting to run away and needing to yeah. get away from a toxic father figure. Yeah, Gus didn't do anything wrong. Like, no. he's explaining that he feels bad because he didn't stay, but he wasn't an adult yet. Right. And he kind of says that, but he I don't know if he really makes that connection himself, but he was still a kid when he did that. Yeah, I think so. And then he came back. Because yeah. they have a whole conversation about how Gus knew he was a man. And yeah. I think that that highlights the fact that Gus didn't feel that he had really grown up until after he was out. Yeah. Okay. Um, another, I drew little... Um, magnifying glasses next to all the like lines I wrote that were about Bianca as a representation of Lars or you know like all the psychological stuff but another one I wrote was when Lars I think he's talking about Bianca's disability and he says that she wants to be normal and wants everyone to treat her normal Mm -hmm. Mm. and then Lars has a lot of social anxiety yeah 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 and then I also wrote Similarly, like, she doesn't like it when I drink, mm-hmm. when they're going to that party. <laughs> like he, right. It's like, um, like a, a form of caretaking that he's more comfortable with. Like, Karen is trying to do so much caretaking for Lars mm. and inviting and, and stuff, but he's not comfortable with that level. So then Bianca just, you know, doesn't like it when I drink. But he's only going to have one, you know. It does make me question a lot what exactly their relationship with their dad was after his mom passed away. Um, It was mentioned in the film that his dad became, like, very reclusive and shut everybody out Mm -hmm. post her death. But I I wonder, like, how significantly that affected Gus and Lars because, as we mentioned earlier, Gus ran away, but Lars was... Lars was there with his dad and only had his dad. But I, I'm, I'm wondering how absent his father was in the whole situation. And I'm wondering how dramatically that affected Lars and his um, social literacy and mm. just ability to um, comprehend his own emotions and, and how to react to certain things. Because when we're first introduced to him, he's very reclusive he repeatedly declines Karen's invites over to dinner 
and he only lives in the garage outside of the house, the, the previous house that his, um, that his parents raised them in, and then later only his dad raised them in. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like there's still so much backstory that I'm trying to figure out. But again, I'm, I'm not like a therapist or a mm-hmm. psych- psychologist or diagnostician or anything like that. But it does make me wonder. Yeah, they just say that he, like Gus says that Lars is kind of like their dad. Mm. You know, dad was the same way. I think he says something like that. Mm-hmm. But they don't really go into detail about how reclusive yeah. or quiet he was. My next note is when Lars is reading to Bianca and the line that he reads, but what distressed him greatly was not having another hermit to confess him. I know. Lars! (laughs) No! Ooh, the pang. (laughs) Right in the heart. So at first, I wanted to be kind of judgmental of Gus for not immediately accepting Lars's delusion. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because, um, mostly because I like to think that, you know, unless someone's neurodivergence is actively harmful to someone else or themselves, like there's no reason not to accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course this movie came out, a, you know, a little while ago and I think it's two, 2007. Yes. And like, even now a lot of people don't entirely understand the difference between like quirky and abnormal behavior. That's like perfectly fine. Even if it mm-hmm. is a sign of neurodivergence um, and like what is actually harmful and signs of mental illness. So I wanted to kind of judge Gus for not getting on board as quickly as everybody else. But then I was kind of reminded of my own experience of seeing a close friend experience psychosis. Mm. It was the scene when Lars was singing to Bianca in the woods, actually. That mm-hmm. was that was for some reason when I suddenly saw parallels and I started sympathizing more with Gus just in the terms of his incredible concern and while I was actually physically too far away from my friend to do anything to help, I imagined the incredible distress one would feel being right there and not being able to do anything to change what seems like a really harmful delusion at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's scary. Yeah, it, it can be really scary to watch that happen. And luckily with Lars, it, it wasn't a harmful delusion at all. Mm-hmm. And Gus isn't like person coming of age when we're talking about neurodivergence online Mm -hmm. all the time yeah he's he is absolutely not doing that so he's just scared and delusion is scary because you don't know what is part of the delusion you know he doesn't know how far this is going to go or is it going to expand and how in touch with reality is Lars and I think he probably also feels really guilty for um, not being more involved with Lars. And how could, how could, where did this come from? How could this have just popped up out of nowhere and he didn't see it coming? Yeah. Counter to that, I do want to encourage Gus during the, the moments of the movie later on where 
through Karen's encouragement and uh, Dr. Dagmar's encouragement, um, he does do research on mental illness, mm-hmm. delusion, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, Gus, you're trying to he learn. Tries. And he, yeah. he does try. He does a good job, yeah. too. He doesn't just, like, right. throw a little effort in there. Like, he really does a good job. He mm-hmm. does a good job. Yeah. And I love the part towards the end when he checks in on Bianca. Mm-hmm. Like, she's oh, sleeping, yeah. and he opens the door and checks in on her, and then closes the door, and that's it. Like, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't say anything. He literally just looks at her. That was a nice little... Yeah. That was a nice tie in that knot of the community coming together and his... Yeah. Mm-hmm. His brother taking that place in the relationship of taking care of Bianca, like, the mm-hmm. same way the community was reaching out. And Oh, that reminds me um, of... <laughs> I, I completely laughed at this, but I loved it so much of just how they had set up a schedule on the f- refrigerator for Bianca. I, yeah. <laughs> Her itinerary so is on busy. the fridge. <laughs> she has so much going on. She has such an active life, Lars. She does. Yeah. It was interesting how he did have to reach out back back to his tool of comfort though and and yelling i don't i shouldn't have to schedule time to be with my girlfriend <sighs> one line that really just felt like i got punched in the gut was when dagmar says sometimes i get so lonely i forget what day it is and how to oh, spell my god. name mm-hmm. oh god right yeah, she's just so... Big oh god. Um, Big what's the word? She's just so, like, matter-of-fact about it. hmm Yeah. I just have oof written there. <laughs> oof. Oof. I don't think there's a better way to explain that. Exactly. I couldn't think of another, another way to succinctly describe how I felt except oof. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that got me was uh, when Karen's yelling at Lars... Mm. And she says, because of you, all these people love you. And then she says, we carry her. And, like, they do physically carry Bianca and they do um, socially carry Bianca. And they also carry Lars, too. Right. Um, metaphorically. Oh, I'm, I'm getting a little teary just remembering that scene, oh. even. Yeah, that's good. That was, uh, that was so powerful, especially coming from a situation embodied by a person that Lars cares about and fears so much. Like Karen is so representative of so many things. She's maternal. She's that maternal figure for Lars that he rejects. Um, But you can see that he cares about her so much because in the movie, she's the first individual that we see him offer his baby blanket to. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's like a token that he keeps with him all the time. I took a note about him wearing it as a scarf. Mm-hmm. Which I find very charming. It's so cute. It's very cute. Oh, God. And then in him, him being confronted by her in that moment was almost like a slap in the face, a wake up of, we are doing so much for you. We care about you so much. Mm-hmm. We wish you would just recognize this 
and know that it is okay and you are not a burden and you need to accept the fact that there are people here to take care of you regardless of your fears, regardless of what has hurt you in the past. And despite all of your frustrations and how difficult this transitory journey is, we have been and always will be with you every single step of the way. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I think what I, I loved so much was Karen using Bianca also as a, the same tool for communicating with Lars in a way that he can understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she really goes both ways. She's great. I love her character. I love all of the characters, but, but mostly just the relationship between them. I love all the women in this. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I have a note about Karen, Dagmar, and Marco all being amazing, plus the woman from the church. Mm -hmm. And, like, Gus grew on me over time as well. The, right. the co-worker dude I did not like, but, you know. No. Um, <laughs> okay. You know what, though? The co-worker is kind of weird, and then there's, like, some other guy at the party that says something snarky about Bianca. But at no point does anybody bully Lars. I know. No one ever right. says anything with the intent to hurt him. There's just a couple, like, uncomfortable mm -hmm. things or a couple of, like, insensitive remarks. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. everybody's ready to take Bianca seriously and I love know. Lars. And they do not at all say anything mean or hurtful about Lars. Yeah. Right. I, I really appreciated that because I feel like a lot of times stories like this are told with the lens of let's all just dogpile hating on someone who's neurodivergent that we don't understand. And right. this movie didn't have an ounce of that. And I yeah. loved that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so much humor in this movie, but oh, like yeah. at no point is Lars the butt of a joke. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like, it's funny. Like, you can't deny that mm -hmm. it is a funny situation. Oh, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. mental illnesses can be funny without it mm -hmm. being, like, disrespectful to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up, Kimi. Mm -hmm. It's so good. That That's it's another... So that's one of the things that I realized as I was reflecting on the movie after I watched it. Yeah, there's no bullies. It's just good people who love each other. It's just a community, guys. It's beautiful. Good people that love each other. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <gasps> okay. What parts made y'all cry? All right. My, my actual teardrops here I have when Gus apologized for running away, when mm -hmm. I realized that Bianca's funeral was kind of a surrogate for Lars's mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. And then uh, during the funeral. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Karina, what were your tear jerkers? Oh, God. A little too many. Like, like I said, <laughs> I'm very good at crying. Um, so initially when, when Lars was expressing how he felt pain when people would touch him. Oh. Um, definitely the scene where Karen was yelling at him. Mm -hmm. Um, similarly to Maybell, the scene where Gus apologizes for running away. I did get teary during, there's a particular scene where, um, Lars is having a panic attack because he doesn't know what is going to happen to Bianca. 
mm-hmm. he's having a panic attack in the doctor's office or an, a mild anxiety attack. He he's definitely freaking out. She yeah. tells him to put his but head between his knees. Was that about um, Bianca or was that about Karen? Oh, it was about Karen. You're right. Yeah. It was about Karen and that was the big reveal of the cause. Him having yeah, him having a major fear and the onset of everything. Um, oh, I think I solved my mystery. I think I solved my mystery of why that was the pivotal moment that he orders Bianca online mm-hmm. is so close to the pregnancy. He needed to have, like you were saying, a surrogate for his mom to reconnect with that. And wow, I just figured out the synopsis of the movie and why it <laughs> happened. It just took a whole discussion in this beautiful podcast <laughs> for me to figure it out. I Thank you so wonderful. much, guys. Happy to be here today. That's wonderful. <laughs> Tear jerkers. <laughs> Kibia, what were your tear jerk moments? Um, I didn't do a full cry. Mm-hmm. I got a little teary eyed. I got a little emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like as the everything built and then kind of the last third of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when Karen says, We carry her. I mm. know. Yeah. Um, but I did spend a lot of the movie admiring Patricia Clarkson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every Hunter, moment she's on screen, I just am captivated yeah. by Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, I love her, and I'm in love with her. And um, if you are named Dagmar or you resemble Patricia Clarkson, call me. <laughs> <laughs> Karina, do you have any other tearjerker moments or anything you want to discuss? Oh, yeah. Um, mm. We did discuss briefly how the whole journey that Lars takes throughout this process um, is definitely resembled in the in the weather that takes place around him. The mm-hmm. setting is during a very, very long winter. Yeah. There is a particular scene towards the end of the movie where Lars is um, finally taking charge of a particular social situation with a love interest, Margot, and post, like, their first unofficial date they step outside and there's snow and Lars mentions, I thought winter was over. And that indicated to me, I'm like, Oh, he still has some things that he needs to go through. Mm -hmm. And following that, all of the scenes from there forward, I had already seen the movie before. So watching it an additional time and just having that line stand out reminded me of all the things to come. And that was another moment for me. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a movie watching multiple times because you do pick up on oh yeah different things. Mm-hmm. Actually, speaking of that, that reminds me. I don't think we've actually talked about the use of pink in this movie. We oh. didn't. And I have to say, I don't really, I don't have a very solid analysis for pink in this movie. I just noticed it. I noticed it too. I don't think that pink necessarily resembles anything specific outside of the context of this movie. I think it is very context specific to this movie and something about Lars's mother because his mother's room is called the pink room. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else to like extrapolate from that other than that. I, I started noticing the use of pink, um, well, I mean, I noticed it a little earlier, but it was really like, oh, there's the pink when Lars is using the pink um, bowling ball. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice because it stands out against everything else in the frame. Um, mm-hmm. But then at the very end when they show that With he the has... With the funeral. Yes. 
Exactly. Yeah. At the funeral, he has a pink carnation in his pocket, in his jacket pocket, just like the pink carnation from earlier in the movie. That that was super cute. I think there's a part where he's in the pink room with Bianca and he's wearing... Um, like oh, a, that what pink the, undershirt. What is that material? Like the waffle knit undershirts? Mm-hmm. And that's um, like floral and pink. Oh, yeah. Like a Henley mm-hmm. or a... Uh... Yeah, oh, it's like long underwear probably. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what they call it. I don't Ooh, live in a cold place, me. so I don't know what your cold weather clothes are called. People. <laughs> I don't think But I... yeah, it's, it's one of those like waffle knit undershirts that's pink and floral. But that's the only color really mm-hmm. in the movie. Like, it's not, it's not overwhelmingly pink, but there's no other color that stands out. Everything's, yeah. like, kind of brown and white because it's winter and there's mm-hmm. no other bright color. Pink is, like, the only thing that really stands out. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really sweet tone. Me too. I, I, love, I love how well-crafted this movie is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was definitely handled with care. Mm-hmm. It's precious. I do kind of want to watch it again now and just see how much I can analyze with the color pink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I kind you of, could find some writing about it. We'll I see. Looked, I looked a little bit and they, I think someone pointed out that there's more pink as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Mm, that would yeah. make sense. It definitely ramps up in the last act. Yeah. But there's no, I don't think there's really any like one specific thing. Pink re- resembles this or yeah. anything like that it's just mm-hmm. yeah it's just there and it's beautiful oh mm-hmm. all right i think it's time for us to give our ratings but before we do that kibia can you refresh our listeners on our rating scale i will one teardrop doesn't make me cry and it won't make me cry two teardrops make me emotional but don't make me cry or they could make me cry if i'm already fragile Three teardrops make me tear up or cry a little bit. Four teardrops make me cry with like solid tears down my face. And a five teardrop movie, I am sobbing. So Karina, you're our guest today. How much did Lars and the Real Girl make you cry? Um, I know that you had discussed Coco in a previous episode. That would be five on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, my face was saturated at the mm-hmm. end of Coco. So with that said, I would rate Lars and the Real Girl as maybe a four on the teardrop scale. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I'm going to give this movie three teardrops because it was kind of a slow burn for me. I didn't really get any mm-hmm. waterworks going until like the last 45 minutes or so, which for me is like a long time, especially in a movie this long. So for mm-hmm. me, it's three out of five teardrops. I am giving it a two teardrop. I don't remember how much it made me cry the first time, but this time it made me emotional. I think it could maybe make me cry more if I didn't watch it with ads. God. Yes, that was really hard. I have to say, yeah. I I watched it with these really loud ads coming in, and it, it was really difficult to get through that. So I would recommend yeah. renting the movie. Yes, me too. absolutely. The no ads, ads really with disrupt, the movie. <laughs> yeah, the ads disrupt the emotional thread. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But the, I'm going to give it a two teardrop. Okay. Oh, All right. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
why? I love the movie. It's an excellent movie, but I'm not really an easy crier. Yeah, she's oh. the hard sell here. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You're a normal person who cries a normal amount. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, okay. Okay, I do want to say um, that's kind of antithetical to the concept of having a normal amount of crying. We don't, we, none of us here believe in a normal amount of crying. That's, <laughs> what is the normal amount of crying? That's fair, but I, I think I also sometimes feel like people find out how often I cry and it freaks them out. And, like, I'm not going to act like I have not taken that feedback. I've taken Maybe that I'll, feedback. Maybe I'll cries. Maybe more than the average person. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's bad or wrong. No, no, no. Um, You're allowed to cry as much as you need to cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We love and support yeah. crying. Thank you. <laughs> we love and support crying. This is a healthy community of criers. Exactly. That's, that's the brand every we're trying scale. to build here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. All right. With that all said, let's take a break. Tearjerkers is brought to you by Everything Happens So Much. God. Everything does happen all the time at once. Holy they mention hell. that in the movie, don't they? Yeah, they do. In the in the scene at the wake or when they're when the church ladies are sitting with Lars, there's that moment where one of the one of the sewing ladies says, Well, that's how life is, Lars. And then Mrs. Gruner says, Everything at once. And I just mm. thought that was beautiful. And mm. so relatable. It's Very true. Relatable. Karina, have you had a thing happen? Oh, God. Just, I know so many of you can relate. This is being recorded during a, uh, a wonderful time in history. Um, mm. The year is 2020. Everything is happening so much right now. This week I got into a car accident. Oh, it my God. It was gosh. a minor car accident. What? No one was hurt. Oh. No one was hurt. It's fine. We're good. Okay, I'm glad. Fender bender. Okay. Fender Fender bender. bender, Okay. Very, very, but, like, also, just, like... That sucks. A big what the fuck thrown into the week. It's definitely not something anyone needs. Right, exactly. Having a lot of friends going through a lot of um, emotional turmoil as well, just Mm -hmm. icing on the cake. That's the icing on the shit cake. Like it's been said. Yeah, yeah, everything happens so much. Yeah. It seems like, aside from the global and national shit show, mm. I know a lot of people who are having their own personal shit shows, and it's, like, weird stuff. It it's is. not like, like, for example, like, my grandma passed away this year. She was really, really old. It was totally coming. It mm. was very, very easy to see coming. But then there's been other stuff, like, getting someone... I know got mugged and what? Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) just like weird, weird stuff. What else happened? Um, I don't know. Just crazy situations with people that we love and care about just coming out of the blue and being like, where the fuck did that come from? But yeah, Yeah. it's, it's been a tumultuous time. Wahoo. Yeehaw. (laughs) Yeehaw. Is there, um, is this also a, a community of venters? Cry and vent. <laughs> Get all your frustrations out. Everything happening vent. so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, t- tweet your tweet your uh, frustrations. 
Oh, yes. To the podcast. Yes, I can put that in there. (laughs) And we're back. All right, guys, it's time for the closing segment. What made you cry this week? So how about we start off with Kimia? What made you cry this week? I teared up a little bit today because I was at work and I made the mistake of listening to songs on my crying list. I think I was looking for a song and I just, I was like, maybe it'll be in here. And then I played the playlist and then I teared up a little bit. I don't remember which song it was though. So I apologize. Maybelle, what made you cry this week? What made me cry this week? Um, Actually, just today I was scrolling the internet and I came across this what are they called, like TikTok duets or whatever, where it's a role play of this kid getting their pronouns changed and their name changed in the school system. And it's just like a very simple video. You see the kid and you see the lady who's working the desk and she's super supportive and she's really nice and she's a little sassy and she uplifts this kid and it's just... It was super sweet, so it made me tear up a little bit. And if I can find a link to the video, I will link it in the show notes. Because I just, I loved seeing that wholesome, wholesome interaction. Even, I mean, obviously it was staged, but just like the support and the unconditional acceptance from an authority figure at a school for this trans teenager was just beautiful. Mm. I'm blown away. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Karina, what made you cry this week? Coco. <laughs> I understand. Coco also made me cry a lot. Oh. <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it before, and oh. <laughs> oh, Coco. Yeah. Good movie. Check out the previous episode. <laughs> thank you so much for that, Karina. <laughs> Wonderful plug there. And Karina, thank you so much for being our very first special guest on any episode of Tear Jerkers. We are so honored to have you. Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for hosting and inviting me along. I, I had fun. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I think that's all, folks. Is everything happening so much to you? Did you like Lars and the Real Girl? Did you hate it? Have you experienced a delusion or purchased a sex doll? Tell us how the movie made you feel by hitting us up on Twitter at tearjerkers underscore pod and join the conversation with other listeners on Facebook at tearjerkers community. And if you want to send us a voice memo with your movie nomination and why that movie made you cry, you can send that to tearjerkers.podcast at gmail.com. And please, please give us a five-star review on whatever you use to listen to us. It would just be so incredibly helpful in helping us reach out to more ears. And don't forget to subscribe or favorite so you can be sure to catch the next episode. And as always, tell your friends about this podcast. Mention it to someone who loves Ryan Gosling or beloved MILF queen Patricia Clarkson. Or mention it to someone who's named Dagmar and also tell them that I'm in love with them specifically. Tear Jerkers is produced by me, Maybell Shimizu, and co-hosted by me and Kimia Ranjbaran. The wizard behind our intro music and the editing hero of this podcast is Gage Pryor. You can find more of his tunes at soundcloud.com slash Thanks for listening, and don't forget to lend some understanding to weirdos everywhere. Weirdos everywhere.